Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weekly Daily Video Gaming News Podcast. My name is Chris, a.k.a. Necronominoms. And I'm Beck. Hello, Beck. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. That is good. I'm doing a lot better than last week, but yeah, I'm doing pretty good. That's good. (laughs) That's great. What have you what have you been up to? (laughs) What Uh, games have you been playing? (laughs) Honestly, like not too much. Uh, Like I played a bit of uh, Vampire Survivors. Y'all got me into that. So I've been. Oh, really? You you finally got into it? Yeah, Uh, finally. So I've been just grinding away at that. Uh, I did do something this weekend, though, that's video game adjacent, which is I uh, watched the Uncharted movie. Oh, how was that? Honestly, it wasn't bad. People tend to overanalyze these kinds of things. And I definitely came in with low expectations because video game movies aren't that good. Uh, I will say this, though. Uh, First of all, have you played Uncharted at all? Nope. Okay. to be fair, before I get into like talking about the movie, I know that when someone has played a game it greatly affects how they view the movie based on it. We watched Warcraft. Yeah. You know, so I have not played Uncharted. And that may factor into why I actually like the movie, because I don't have the game to compare it to, to be like, this game is a masterpiece and this movie sucks. I feel like this is a similar comparison to whenever people like read a read a book and then there's a movie of the book and people are like, well, it's not like the book. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have that same vibe here. Uh, I watched the movie. I honestly really enjoyed it. They did a lot of cool stuff. Um, One thing they did was like the camera work. They did it in a really cool way that gave really subtle nods to the video games where they would have these kind of uh, viewpoints like the plane scene is a pretty well known like that's part of the trailers and stuff. You get the worries, you know, flying out of the plane and stuff. Um, Yeah. They do a really good they do this one shot and it was like a half second shot, but it was still really cool where they were sneaking around and it looked exactly like a video game. Like it it reminded me of almost like a like Metal Gear Solid three, I think, like, you know how uh, you're sneaking around like boxes and stuff and, you know, like the viewpoint there. Yeah, Um, it looked like that. There was another scene that happened in that scene where they're flying, they're falling out of the plane and like Tom Holland's like reaching for something and they make the camera go over like the thing he's reaching for and you see his hand and then you just hear a voiceover of uh, another character saying, you have to do the thing. And uh, that reminded me of like quick time events like that'll happen during quick time events, right? Where like you're just looking at a thing and you're like trying to mash a button or press a button or whatever and you just hear like the character in the background being like, do the thing before we die. It reminded me of that. It's almost like fourth wall breaking. Right. Um, You're hearing like a voice in your head and and, like you see the on-screen prompt. It's like, just press F and then you hear something in your head saying, press F to pay respects. It's, it's a little immersion breaking, but yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. There's one thing that is better than all of those though. Uh, I do know a little bit about Uncharted, even though I didn't play. There's one thing that the developers revealed about the game related to how they handle health in the game. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's that they revealed that in the game, whenever you're taking damage, you're not actually taking damage. They consider it a luck meter. 
So that means that basically what they're saying is that each time you're taking damage, you're actually running out of luck. And whenever you get, for example, shot and that last bullet kills you, that's actually you running out of luck. And if you, you'll notice in the game, even when this is happening, you're actually hearing like bullets whiz past you all the time. You're not actually getting hit by bullets. Usually uh, you're just running out of luck is what they're saying. Uh, oh, the, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool design choice. But what uh, I like about the movie then is they actually refer to that like not not overtly like they don't say that at all, but. What happens is every time that uh, Nathan Drake, the person that Tom Holland plays, every time he's in a fight or like, you know, in a bad situation, when the second he's about to get like killed or something or severely hurt, something just exterior happens. There's like moments where like, oh, OK, I'm about to get hit by a sword and then the door behind me opens and pushes me out of the way or like, um, you know, I'm about to get shot and then like something hits them and like stops me from getting shot or like I'm about to get shot and I pick up a fucking golden shield because that's realistic. That's, that's the only, uh, but that's a really cool thing that if you don't know that you don't appreciate it, but like, because I actually was watching it with a friend who actually played uncharted. And after the movie, I asked him like, isn't that how it works? It's like a luck meter. And he's like, I don't think so. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it is. And I looked it up and I was right. And I showed him. He was like, oh, that's actually really cool. Then Uh, he didn't even know. But like that helped him be like, oh, that's really cool. Then. But yeah, other than that, I mean, obviously, realism went out the window in that movie. There is one thing that caught me, which is I used to be a bartender and I enjoy like, you know, mixology and stuff like that. I enjoy making drinks at the beginning of the movie. He's a bartender and he is not a good bartender. (laughs) he made a drink called Negroni and all you need to know it's like gin and Campari and the the way that you're supposed to make is you just put the shit in a glass and then you stir it and then you strain it and that's a drink Uh, there's there's probably more to it but that's basically it he starts by taking the gin putting it in a separate glass so that he can put it in the mixing glass and then puts it in uh, puts the other stuff in the mixing glass and then just strains it. He doesn't stir. He doesn't do anything with the liquid. He just strains it into the cup. And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> what was the point of all of that? <laughs> As, just, just broke your right out of the movie right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that thing where uh, you've talked about this before, where like, if it's a thing you really know something about, like it kind of takes you out of it. So that was just a yeah. thing that caught me. I'm like, what, what is that even just like, think about it for a second (laughs) yeah no it was a it was a good movie overall i liked it uh i would recommend watching it it's a fun movie it's not gonna make a lot of sense as far as realism goes and if you've played the games you gotta take yourself out of that mindset of uh it has to be exactly like the games because that's just go play the games instead that's all i know i get it i mean i think that it's at least a good thing to talk about. Yeah. Because sure. that, well, that's a constant thing where, you know, you'll you'll be like, oh, this like Sonic, like Sonic is a technically a video game movie. And there's a lot of people who like went in criticizing it and people ended up loving them, that movie. And a lot of people have played Sonic. So, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I love Sonic. That was an amazing movie. I think that we're hitting a point where like video game movies are starting to get good or like better at least. Like it's it seems like they're starting to crack the code. Yeah, I've, maybe we're just at the point where like it's hard for like a movie with a real budget can be like like a bad movie per se. Like it's I'm not saying they're exceptional. I'm just saying it's hard for them to just be bad. Like and like twenty not 20, maybe like twenty years ago or like. There's a video game movie. Uh, probably wasn't going to be that good. Yeah, for sure. I remember Doom. <laughs> it's not even that old. It's It's got to be like 15 or 20 years now. Really? The, I the think one that so. had like the first person scene? Yeah, that was the only p- cool part about that sh- movie was that scene. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is like 15 years old, right? Yeah. No, it's I'm old, man. Older. 17 years old. No, I just looked it up. Good. <laughs> You're getting older, my friend. I'm over 30. It's fine. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can we can move on and talk about news. I don't know if you got anything else to talk about. I really haven't been playing that many games. I've just been doing Yu-Gi-Oh! Like the video game, the Master Duel, and that because that got that that just had its first event, which is at least worth mentioning because it hasn't had any events yet. And its first event was focused on an extra deck mechanic called Ixies or XYZ summoning, and uh, that's been pretty fun. Um, and then I've actually just been pay, playing Yu Gi Oh in real life and been busy with that, so that, that's all I have to really mention. Yeah, well, um, that's good, you nerd playing the yeah, card games. Good. Massive nerd. <laughs> yeah. Do you own a dual disc? No. Okay. That would have been funny if you did. I have. There's a friend who plays at, at our locals. He's 36 and he bought all his kids dual discs. That's amazing. And, uh, none of them are old enough to even have been alive whenever dual discs were like even a relevant thing in the anime, which I think is hilarious because, you know, they're holding, they're, they're getting these dual discs that like they're like, I've never even seen these. It's like they break easily. They're cumbersome. Yeah, I've never owned a dual disc. I definitely wanted one when I was a kid, but, you know, being yeah. poor. My friend had one. I put it on and I'm like, this is painful. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> it just hurt the wrist. OK, well, um, we can uh, go ahead and talk about some quick stories. Uh, we're going to be talking about Elden Ring for most of the podcast today but we wanted to just go through a few quick stories just to touch base with a couple things we've talked about in the past uh you know we don't want to miss anything so just have a quick few stories to kind of speed run through here yeah Uh, yeah we can start off with the first one which is the most recent thing which is street fighter 6 we got the uh we got a teaser trailer yesterday as of recording, so it would be Monday for you there in the future listening to this. Yeah, we're getting Street Fighter Six. They just showed it, like you said, it was a teaser. It was just like showing the character uh, Luke from Street Fighter Five and Ryu, and that was it, really. Yeah, I had no idea who Luke was. I played Street Fighter Five, and I, I don't know. I don't think it's a character I gravitated towards, or maybe even played. It may have been a later release. I don't know if it was there when the game started, because I definitely played earlier in Street Fighter five. I didn't I haven't played in like four or five years. I don't know when it was released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think he was like one of the later um, characters in one of the later 
season passes, maybe. But yeah, he wasn't there on release. Just like right. how the story was, wasn't there on release for one of the, I think maybe Street Fighter 5 or 4, I can't remember. <laughs> Which is most of what people are talking about in the comments if you go to that teaser trailer. I found that hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, and I also remember that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I remember whenever five came out and people complained about how slow the game was compared to four. Um, it was different. They, they had these these cool attacks and they were heavy and weighty. Uh, but I didn't mind. It was another Street Fighter. So yeah, yeah it was um, fun uh, overall. <laughs> uh, they actually did announce like another thing. It was like the Street Fighter uh, fighting collection. I think it's like all of the Street Fighter games, and you can play them all on like in one all one big collection which is cool that is pretty cool that's uh that's good to know do you know how much it costs did they uh did they mention that i don't know but i know a lot of people like one of their favorite street fighters is the third one i think it's third strike or whatever i think is it there's a few different versions and i think yeah i I know which one you're talking about for sure yeah that's the one that everybody like goes to and says this is the best one ever it's it's i feel like every fighting game has like their version of their game that's just viewed upon as the best out of all of them yeah for sure (laughs) all right well uh anyone uh interested in street fighters should keep an eye out on that we know absolutely nothing else about it it was just that's what they gave us was just ryu and luke looking at each other yeah (laughs) that's it the goofy um, blow scene. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, we don't have to mention it, but if you watch it yourself, you may find some memes out there. Just look for it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I had to say, I, w- I had to say about it was like someone signed off on that. Like these are deliberate <laughs> processes where people that are involved in like 3D modeling and lighting and stuff like that, they all talk to each other and like someone above them and then someone gives the like green light so like yeah if you look at those memes you have to remember someone said yeah this is fine yeah some people might say it's the lighting uh some people might say it's a model or how his pants are but um regardless Ryu might be packing some heat yeah for sure (laughs) all right so we can uh go ahead and move on here we got uh warhammer 3 uh, that came out last week, last Thursday, on the 17th. I uh, was having some trouble with some review bombing. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, they they gave the review copies to like people who didn't seem as interested in the game. Yeah, they gave them out randomly, which meant that like some people just by design weren't going to be people that are usually into uh, Warhammer or Total War in general. For sure, because like uh, this, these games are not for everybody. These are like big strategy game. Well, not strat, not four X strategy, but they're big, big combat. Like lots of units, depending on your unit cap on the field, and um, not everybody's into those large war games. Yeah, and so the problem was for one, people that aren't into it aren't always as fun to watch and also people that aren't into it might not really know how to play which in some cases is entertaining but if it happens in most cases then as someone who is really into it you're not going to find it as fun 
you're going to get a different perspective if you're, they just gave it to like a variety streamer who plays like sports games and they're they're looking at this game like I don't know what's going on so you're not going to get a great uh introduction to the game if you haven't played it. Yeah, and for some fans it feels even kind of disrespectful in a way to be like okay, why is this person getting like an early key that does not care about this game? My my guess is this was not up to the the actual company who made the game. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what the deal was China. there. Well, this is a creative assembly in China. Like this was their the yeah. Chinese branch. Um, yeah. yeah, this this all happened in China. So um, it was also there was another issue, which which was some people uh, actually spoiled the game for people. I mean, there is uh, there are new units and stuff. There's uh, new gameplay aspects that you might not want spoiled. There's also story stuff that happens. There's a whole campaign to Total War. So uh, especially for Warhammer, there's a lot of like lore stuff involved in like uh, uh, that. So you're going to get some issues there uh, if you don't take steps to prevent that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, this isn't a problem for like a lot of us like Americans. Like this is strictly a thing in China, but this this is upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, it did. It has brought down the review, uh, the reviews for American Steam. You'll see you'll see it right now. It's actually has mixed reviews and some of them are more for legitimate causes. It looks like there's some people that have some problems with bugs and stuff. I haven't seen anything too specific, but I think like I think even Warhammer 2 had similar problems where people were like the units aren't balanced. It has performance issues. Um whatever new mechanic that came out with they're like i hate this for this one it's like nurgle's plague is like really annoying to deal with i think with okay. i think it was with this it was like i think this is with the first and second one where like the um skaven was like really annoying to deal with their corruption so like people complained about that hated that so there's always going to be people out there just being like i don't like this new mechanic i don't want to deal with it yeah for sure so uh those are pretty standard. Uh, I don't know if that really... I haven't looked at the history of, like, Warhammer releases, so I don't know if they just always start with bad reviews. But I do think that this whole thing is kind of bringing down the reviews a bit, too. Yeah. So, yeah. We can move on here, though. Uh, just keeping an eye on that. We did talk about Warhammer last week, so... And that's one that I'm interested in. I like to keep up with that kind of stuff. Another game that we talked about this month was Kingdom Hearts for the Switch. Yes, we were jokingly saying how it might not run well, and we were saying how it's weird that it was like just streamed, right? Yeah, uh, it's on. Yeah. It's by a cloud gaming, which usually doesn't work out too well. Yeah, how how did that turn out? Uh, not well. Uh, kind of like we said, uh, there are a few different specific uh, examples. There was one Polygon article by Ryan Gilliam uh, who outlined uh, some of his issues with it. He basically went went through the whole gamut, played with different games, uh, tested docked versus undocked, tested uh, wired connection versus wireless connection, pretty much across the board, found frame rate issues, connection issues, the uh, etc. Uh, even some instances of like low res stuff, I believe, was in there. This has been pretty much corroborated by a lot of different people uh, sending out tweets and stuff. There's a lot of tweets out there, a lot of videos of just 
tanking frame rates or just full on disconnects. There was some issue at the very beginning of people saying they couldn't actually play the game when it was supposed to be released. Yeah, Uh, there was a day one patch, but people still experience problems after that. I'm just I feel like we're just we have to get used to day one patches being a thing with every game we play these days. It's kind of sad that it's a thing with Kingdom like a Kingdom Hearts franchise, like a beloved franchise, but and I think expected. Yeah, Yeah. I think the main issue is it really shouldn't have been expensive as expensive as it was. Obviously, the technical issues are still going to be a problem. But if you're paying ninety dollars for these games and you're getting these issues with every single game across the board because it was on cloud, maybe it should be cheaper if it's on cloud. Yeah, like you don't own it. Yeah. And I mean, you could argue like, oh, you don't own digital games, though, but like. It's connected yeah. to your account. Yeah, it's connected to your account. Also, I could just download them. Like, if I, I could play offline. You you can't play these offline. Yeah, that's correct. And that's the main problem. So it's like, if you're going to have that extra barrier, that should be seen as a negative. So that shouldn't cost as much as it does. Obviously, you're getting a lot of gains for it, but that's not worth anything if you can't play them. Yeah, there's like, the, obviously the positive is like, you don't ever have to like hard download a game, but the negative is you need a good connection. Like, and in this case, even with good connections, people were saying they couldn't play it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, and the, a lot of these issues might just be Switch issues too. But we've seen some games on Switch play perfectly fine. Um, I know. I recently bought like not really like in the past year, I bought like Kingdom Hearts three and the whole collection of all the other games that they could fit for PS four, and it was like twenty bucks because I got it on sale. But that that was twenty dollars for literally on every game outside of the ones I had to just turn into movies. But like in this case, this is all the games, right? For like ninety, you said that's crazy. Yeah, so that that's every game that's available, I believe, uh, for ninety dollars. Uh, right now, it's on discount. I actually went to go check the price and noticed it was on a twenty percent discount. But still, like full price being ninety dollars, that's too much. Yeah, especially with these glitches going on. Absolutely. Maybe we'll see if it gets if it gets better. Maybe we'll mention it. Yeah, if it gets better and we notice that we'll mention it. I would recommend just not buying it right now if you uh, haven't and still want to maybe wait and keep an eye out to see if they actually manage to fix the issues. Yeah, I don't know who was like, you know, in a rush to get these, to be fair. Like these games already came out. This is just the switch version of them. Like a diehard Nintendo person that never got a chance to play Kingdom Hearts and like finally it came to the Switch and they're like, yes, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I guess if you were like, uh, yeah, exactly what you just said. Never bought a PlayStation in their life. Never bought a PlayStation in their life. Never saw one before. Then you wouldn't have any nostalgia for Kingdom Hearts in the first place. But yeah, maybe you were looking forward to it. Well, you just you hear all these people talking about the Kingdom Hearts and like you want to hear simple and clean for once. So like, why not? It'd be hilarious if Simple <laughs> and Clean was not in the game. Like, they had to, like, cut it out for some reason. Oh, I mean, it was in the game, but, I mean, some people experience frame rate r- issues, so sometimes it would just stutter there. Oh, no. That's the worst place to have it stutter, I think, is just, like, during Simple and Clean. You don't want that to be interrupted. Such a beautiful, nonsensical song. It's a lovely song. I love it. <laughs> we can move on, though. Keep an eye out for that. If it changes, we'll let you know. If we notice, hopefully we will. Probably not. Honestly, we'll probably forget about this because everyone will forget about this. 
Moving on. We got uh, Activision Blizzard. Just a small update on the lawsuit. The litigation is ongoing. Uh, there's the California Department of Fair Employment, Employment and Housing has been trying to get temporary workers to be included in the lawsuit. Uh, Activision argued against it, saying that uh, it should require a separate lawsuit as the temporary workers are separate workers. Uh, a judge in California ruled in favor of the DFEH, uh, saying that the contingents and the contingent and temporary workers are still essentially employees, uh, therefore falling under the scope of the lawsuit. So that essentially means that the pool of witnesses for uh, California, the state of California, is increased. Uh, it also means. Uh, that in the future, there could be some potential changes to precedent going forward. Obviously, having this uh, codified in a lawsuit means that like someone else could cite this lawsuit later, and it could be a benefit to all temporary workers going forward in any future litigation. Yeah. Sorry, I threw a lot at you there. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> yeah, this is just for a, a follow-up what we are this is just an active thing in the gaming world that we think should just be brought up every time there's some kind of update with it so yeah yeah all right i think we've kept everyone waiting including you back long enough <laughs> uh we are ready to talk about elden ring yeah i'm sure everybody will be talking about elden ring for the next uh two weeks or so maybe three weeks i know i'll be playing it for the next few weeks because that's I just love experimenting with different weapons in these uh, Dark Souls, Souls-like games. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, I want. Start. Yeah, I wanted to break it down into a few different categories here. So I wanted to start off with just how we got here. Uh, the road to Elden Ring, if you will. Just when it was announced, it was first announced in E3 2019. There were some rumors beforehand. I don't know exactly where those rumors started or when, uh, but I do personally remember some like whispers of a new game coming out from yes. uh, from software. Yeah, whenever they showed like Sekiro, uh, they just showed like a clip of like was it a minute long clip of just like his uh, toll arm, his like mechanical arm, and no one knew what that was in the slightest. And I think they did a similar thing to Elden Ring where they just showed like the hammering of the smith. Um, that might have been what, what it was where it was. That, I can't remember if that was the first announcement or if that was the like rumors of the new game. Yeah, I think I think that was the first announcement. Um, but anyways, after that, uh, largely radio silence um, after about a year. There was a single tweet that came out from from software. It was actually a reply to another tweet they had. Uh, and it was basically just saying, hey, thanks for all the support. Elden Ring's coming. Not much information there. Just kind of a like, hey, this game's still here. We know you've been asking about it. Get off our backs. <laughs> for sure. More radio silence uh, for another year until Summer Games Fest 2021. Uh, it was there that we were given uh, an official re release date of January 21st. Uh, you'll notice that it is past January 21st. 
and we still don't have it. We'll get to that. But there was also shortly after that announcement, there was an interview with IGN about it. Later on in October 2021, there was a delay announced to what we now know is the actual date, February 25th. They cited in a tweet that there was that the depth and strategic freedom of the game exceeded initial expectations, basically saying this game was bigger than we thought and it's going to take a little more time. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, like they're not they're only a month off from that release date. Yeah. And crazy. Yeah, exactly. And we also in November got the network test, uh, which is largely where we're seeing a lot of the gameplay from. Uh, If you're looking for like videos on like how it plays and stuff, that's where we got it from was that network test. Uh, Yeah, that's where I like we I got a lot of information. Like I tried not to I tried to avoid like any like spoilers, but like that's how we got a good understanding of what the game is. Yeah, we had to watch that just to know. A bit more about the game and by all accounts, I mean, like you said, it was only a month off and looking at the network test, it looked pretty good. Everything looked all right, honestly, like I didn't see too much in the way of issues. I don't know if there were any bugs, you know, if uh, they had any bugs reported. Not that I know of, or at least I at least looked into. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say there was none. Maybe maybe someone had reported something, but definitely wasn't like so widespread that people were complaining about it uh by all accounts seemed to be shaping up to be a good game yeah it was pretty much what people expected they're like it's a combination of all the souls games essentially like it's not technically like story related to them but like it's got like mechanics from all of them well at least the second and third ones is the first one is pretty much the third one um and they're like it's open world dark souls <laughs> like that's what yeah. people wanted with, and it was just there's more some new mechanics and it's just better executed upon. Yeah. Do you uh do you remember the release or like the uh not the release like the initial announcement and if so do you remember like being excited for it at all like when when did you start like putting Elden Ring on your radar? I think as soon as like everybody everyone was talking about that that thing I was talking about where it's like the smith hitting the they were forging something and it was like their back was like cracking and i think that's whenever it was on my radar at least because everybody was speculating on it i did the same exact thing whenever the sekiro thing came out because people were just like what is this game what could it be and uh, i was definitely in the same area of like what could it be there um so it was definitely on my radar but i'm not the type of person to just wildly assume what it what it would be just off of that small video but whenever I think we got the gameplay stuff, this whenever, you know, the hype really started to build up for sure. OK, there. yeah, I'm not someone who was like super interested in it before. I think I'm definitely more interested now after watching gameplay, doing digging into the research and stuff uh, that we've been doing for the podcast. Uh, also, just what you've been telling me about it. Uh, that's got me more interested in it now. Yeah, like I personally, I try to play all the Souls games I can at least play. Like it took me forever to, like the only Souls game that took me a long time to play. Well, technically the first one, I had to wait till it was on PC to play it. And that was awful because it was for games for Windows Live, which sucks. Yeah, I still remember playing Dark Souls on that for a little bit. So bad. And then Bloodborne took me a long time to play because I didn't have access to the console. And then eventually I got the console and got to play it. 
But uh, I know I'm normally on the up whenever like a new uh, FromSoft game comes out. I, I try to avoid all the spoilers I can, and I try to play the games for like however long they come out, and not speed run through them or like play them quickly. But I I just that it's all I'm playing for that next week or so, and I'm smelling the grass, touching every aspect of the game I can, get my full enjoyment out of it, and not burn myself out as much as I can. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of grass to smell here. Yeah, it's open world. Yeah. So, so much to do. But uh, that's how we got here. That's how we that was the road to Elden Ring. We can move on to the story and setting. Uh, story is always a massive undertaking for any Souls game. We're going to keep that part brief. But let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room, which is George R.R. R. Martin's involvement. Uh, yeah, I have this to admit. Weird. Yeah, it is weird. So basically, they explained it in an interview. What had essentially happened was it was sort of a like chance encounter, to my understanding. Uh, the game director for Dark Souls uh, and this game, uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki, he actually was a huge fan of George R.R. R. Martin. I did not know much about any of the other work that George R.R. R. Martin has done until I started reading this interview. And like he's talking about like, hey, there's like vampire books and stuff. It's like, OK, uh, <laughs> didn't know that. <laughs> Every author has written like a vampire book that didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, uh, my understanding. Uh, and if this is not entirely true, this is at least my headcanon, is that this game director, Miyazaki, just geeked out so hard over George R. R. Martin that like he manifested his involvement <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how I interpret it, honestly. But as far as what George R.R. R. Martin is offering, uh, they describe it as the overarching mythos of Elden Ring. Basically, what happened was uh, they sat down with each other and Martin asked for uh, information on the game, including themes, ideas, game related aspects. And then from there, what he did was he provided them with uh, characters, uh, drama, mystical and mysterious elements, basically just the entire history of the world uh, to go off of for the developers then to go make that into a game with a story and stuff. Yeah, this is like different from other like like Dark Souls games because normally like um, the story is very hard to follow. <laughs> uh, so whenever you hear, oh, George R. R. Martin is on it, you think, oh, this one's going to have like a big story that you're going to be able to understand and just know while playing it but it seems like he just just did like a lot of the background stuff and has the overarching like story going but like it's still going to be the same form of storytelling where you're going to learn everything through like items and characters saying like one-liners and stuff characters laughing at you and whatnot yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stupid salesman um <laughs> It, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah the uh i was gonna say this reminds me of something that i actually read about uh i actually have a book here uh for video game writing it's something i highly recommend if anyone's interested in like uh getting into video game writing or learning about the process or even just learning about like the game making process in general it helps with uh it's called slay the dragon uh writing great video games uh it's one that i read and one thing they talk about in there is uh they give a comparison to uh, TV shows. There are some long running TV shows that keep sort of what they call a Bible. 
And it's just like a history of the show, just what happened, anything that's uh, important information. It could be like dossiers on characters and stuff like that. It's essentially just like a wiki for the show. Uh, And there are similar things that happen in video games, too. There are a lot of video games that I assume would have these. Uh, I could think of like MMOs being one, like long running ones like Final Fantasy 14 or uh, World of Warcraft. Like there's a lot of dense story behind them and like backstory and stuff. And you probably have something there to keep everything straight. Uh, This this reminded me of that. Like it sounds like that's basically what uh, George R. R. Martin provided for the story was that. Yeah, normally whenever you hear about these Bibles for things, it's just more of a, like, keep with this design. This is what this character would do. Like, you you look back at this whenever you're trying to make a story decision of, like, what would they do this? Like, it's just a reminder. Um, So that, that, that I think that's interesting that that's going to make maybe give the game's, like, story and world a different feel, maybe. But based on what I've seen, it seems like it's still more Dark Souls. yeah. It's funny because uh, uh, Miyazaki actually explained later that uh, the current game takes place after the shattering of the Elden Ring, uh, which means it takes place in the future after all the stuff that George R. R. Martin wrote happened. Uh, and yeah, yeah, this actually makes sense for a Souls like game to be a Souls game. To be fair, there's yeah. a lot of this like huge story, and a lot of it is like ghosts from the past essentially is you're you're dealing with things that happened in the past and for some reason they come back up in whatever present time you're playing the games in yeah because that's how these games work (laughs) and the point he was making was that uh the characters that are now in the game uh would probably be like less human than what than the characters that uh george r r martin wrote originally which like you said does track with how souls games work it's like usually those characters just get like twisted by whatever happened. Yeah. Like some form of chaos or undeath kind of changed them, but they're still for some reason around. Right. Which is an overarching theme in souls games. Yeah. Um, and especially in the third one where it's just like everything was different parts of like the other two games kind of just jointly there. And you're going into these like isolated zones it was very uh, not disjointed, but uh, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> they felt different, but still this like in the same world almost. Right. Yeah. Uh, just to continue here, uh, the music. It's being composed by Yuko Kitamura. He is also the composer for Dark Souls 3, Sekiro, Bloodborne, Armor Core. So pretty much expected to be doing the music for this game, but that does confirm more of a similar to Dark Souls kind of feel. So it's going to be more of a familiar feel as far as music goes as well. Yeah, these these are all from soft games, so not right. nothing new there. Uh, just going to give a quick story summary because anything more would be me not knowing because uh, these games are hard stories. Uh, Basically, you play as a descendant of the Tarnished. Uh, The Tarnished are a group of heroes banished from the lands between after the shattering of the Elden Ring. You are tasked with journeying back to the lands between to um, restore the Elden Ring or like replace it or 
become an Elden Lord. This is why I'm giving a short summary, because I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, this checks out because in other Souls games, um, you would like, I guess in the third one, you were. What was it called? I think it's some playoff of being like kindled or a cinder. Like you were, you were like, you're like a flame igniting all of the bonfires. Uh, so it was very, it was a playoff of that, but like, you don't necessarily have to be the uniter of all the fires. You can, it can play out differently. So maybe this is a playoff of the idea of the different endings. Maybe like, maybe you restore the Elden Ring or you get a new Elden Ring or you become a Lord over the ring, something like that, maybe. Yeah, I'm entirely certain that you're right, that there are like multiple endings or like a choice you can make. Yeah, there there is a lot like I can't remember how many endings or if there was truly a lot, but there was a lot you had to go through in uh, sequencing to make these endings kind of happen. There was like the direct choose between two things, I believe, ending like choosing between like I want to say, quote unquote, humanity or or undeath type of thing was like an option in the first one i mean in the first one it was like do you want to link the bonfires and rule out the age of fire or do you want this current age to continue type of thing right uh so i believe it's probably gonna be a very similar uh thing <laughs> yeah it's like between like being kind of good or kind of bad you know it's I don't know if good and bad is a good uh, analogy here. I did use the word kind of. It's very gray. Like, it's almost like you're choosing between, like, groups of, like, people almost. Right. Okay. That's as much as we know about the story, or or at least as much as I can uh, break down. We can continue. Uh, So next thing we want to talk about is the gameplay. Uh, Just going over what we know about the gameplay without getting too in depth. Uh, I don't want to, you know, spoil anything. I know some people care about that. They don't want the gameplay itself spoiled for them. But just going over a couple of things that we have been at least told by From Software, uh, mainly just kind of what we're seeing about it. 
first thing we got are like how they're similar to the Souls games. Yeah. I mean, literally the UI, like we we did watch a video on someone playing it and like it just looked like Dark Souls to me mostly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same type of gameplay, obviously, just, uh, you know, get good kid, dodge, that kind of stuff. Yeah, dodge, you're dying, you lose your souls if you don't pick them back up before you die again. Yeah, dodge rolling, you know, it's yeah. the roll. There's still souls in this game. I think they're called echoes or uh, runes. Actually, they're called runes. Echoes is uh, Bloodborne. OK, they're like blood yeah. echoes. But this one, I believe they're called runes. And that's your leveling currency and like currency for other stuff, usually. Also, I just put this as a cheeky little thing here. Poison swamps. Still got those. It uh, seems like every Dark Souls has their own terrible poopy area that you go to. That's such a nuisance to track through. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Miyazaki uh, in an interview said that he just couldn't help himself. I guess that's just his kink is just adding poison swamps to games. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like the one key difference is we've already said it's open world. Yeah. That. that, Yeah. Which is crazy, but it still plays like a Dark Souls game. You're still going to have that same kind of like combat with like rolling around an enemy and parrying and uh, locking onto them to get a better key in on them. Um, I think one main thing is that it has the has the magic a very similar magic system to the third game where like every weapon has like a unique ability attached to it which would use uh the magic bar i can't remember what it was called in the third game but it essentially used your magic meter and the thing they took from the second game was where if you dual wielded you would have a different ability depending on how you dual wielded which was really crazy yeah that's really Uh, cool i believe this one has that too yeah and so going to the next part here, which is some of the key differences, very obvious up front, like you said, this is an open world RPG. Open world, like the transition to open world is interesting to me in more ways than just the thought of roaming around. If you look at it from like comparing it to like Soulsborne games, there's something about uh, Dark Souls that has this challenge of wanting to goad you into keeping going like going forward trying to progress but also maintaining this like foreboding uh atmosphere this like this feeling that you want to be cautious you know it's in the way that things are sort of closed off and it creates a sort of dread when for example you're in an open area i know when i'm playing dark souls and i'm like in an open area i am more scared than in a closed area oh absolutely normally that means something's gonna come down and eat your ass yeah uh and that's such an interesting thing because you compare that to how like an open world game in general works open world is supposed to be designed to make you want to explore it to make you want to go forward to like check everything And that's such an interesting thing that they have to like kind of shift that balance to me of like making you more want to actually explore things than just get to where you're going, like get to the next boss before you die or take damage. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even think about that as a as an aspect of it. Exploration is just different in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This game's got uh, 
one thing to counteract what I just said was it has more checkpoints. Uh, they have like the usual sort of bonfire thing. I don't know what it's called in this game. They also have like these separate checkpoints that are kind of concentrated in areas where you're more likely to die so that you're not having to traverse as much of the open world. So you don't feel as bad when you die like, oh, I'm all the way off in Narnia and I had to go back there and like go through all these things that could make me take damage or kill me before I get there, etc. Yeah, interesting. Well, that, that's good that they just have them everywhere, like not everywhere, but like more often and they, they have to pace them how they're out, how they're out in the world. Because they can't just be like, oh, normally in Dark Souls, if you found a bonfire, like you came up on one, you'd be like, ah, this must be a new boss that's coming up, or this is the next area. Normally, they were like, you'd be, you'd, you'd have like three or four in an area like mapped out so that you could kind of get between one in in one area, but like they were between like staggering amounts of enemies. So it's going to be different for this one because yeah like, you can kind of subvert a lot of the enemies and just go around them more you could always do that in dark souls but I feel like in an open world you can definitely super go out of your way to like avoid enemies well when you say subvert i mean this game also has a new thing which is sneaking yeah like before you could always sneak up on enemies but on this one they uh, maybe they took some elements from sekiro well i think they did actually where you can kind of like knock out an enemy like before you could the, the sneaking on in a normal souls game would be just walking up behind an enemy and just stabbing them and then you'd alert every enemy to you but this one it's gonna be different well in souls games it also depended on your armor right like i think if you had like heavier armor or like a heavier lo- equip load maybe like i think yeah, that was a, related to it there's heavier like you would be louder and you would make more sound of course there was three different like tiers of weight. You would, you were either like I think it was this light, heavy or normal and encumbered. But they would what they would truly affect is like your roll, and how like staggered your roll is. Like if you were fully like maxed out on your weight, like you're wearing the heaviest armor and you don't have super high, uh, like endurance, you wouldn't roll. You just couldn't roll. Yeah, which rolls in these games have iframes and some some attacks you just can't block or you don't want to block. And that's how you would die. <laughs> yeah. And armor in Dark Souls games always feels bad because they're like percent based, not and they're not flat. So what that means is if something was going to do a hundred damage to you, and you were, were, were wearing light armor, you'd probably take ten percent less damage. But if you were the heaviest armor, it would reduce the damage by like thirty percent. So you weren't taking that much less damage for the cost of not being able to roll. So some people, when they play these games, they would wear like the bare minimum. Right. Uh, but yeah, as far as sneaking goes, uh, I can't remember like if you were wearing heavy armor or just immediately alert enemies. I literally cannot remember. But that's cool that that's a different thing for this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I, did, I did see people like sniping people with a bow, which stereotypically in Dark Souls, like bows never really did a lot of damage. So maybe you'd kill like one enemy with a bow and then you were probably better off using magic, to be entirely honest. <laughs> <laughs> but this yeah. game, you, you've got cool bow attacks and stuff, and you can like jump and shoot, which jumping isn't wasn't really a thing in Dark Souls, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, the only jumping you could do was the like run into a jump, and that had it, and mixed it was, results. It, was an, it always had mixed results. Normally, it was an attack you did that for, so you'd be you you would uh it, it would 
because every weapon has like if you if you were backpedaling when you attack, attack it would be a different attack if you were running it would be a different attack if you're standing still a different attack um so that that was a different diff, just a different way of attacking um sometimes it would be used to like close a gap maybe but it wasn't reliably good like i can remember like having problems jumping to be entirely honest so it's good that it's a thing in this one <laughs> yeah uh, after that, I mean, we got like um, mounts and mounted combat. That's pretty interesting. Uh, helps yeah. with the open world. There's a horse. Like if if you were thinking, oh man, it's gonna be so cumbersome to like walk. No, there's a horse, and there's like you said, mounted combat. Uh, like you can sh- throw out spells and shoot your bow, and you can do like the whole like have a big lance and run into enemies, like ye olden times type of thing. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. Like it's not just a gimmick to get you from one place to another. Like they want you to be fighting on a horse. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, uh, and the horse isn't annoying. You can actually just summon it out of nowhere. Like it just you you just jump and it's right under you. Yeah, it's pretty useful. And then I mean, we got like uh, dungeons. I don't know if they call them dungeons in like the Dark Souls games, but I think that there's these no such thing as like dungeons in norm- normally. Like not exactly. Like I'm not saying there's no such thing, but normally like. The dungeon is just part of the layout of the map, so it's not really like a thing. Yeah. Uh, so That's like what I these dungeons, these dungeons are gonna be like these are gonna be very similar to how like normal Dark Souls would be, where like you're used to these like small sectioned off areas and these traps and everything. Well, this is gonna be what that is, where you're gonna go into an area and it's gonna be like a level, like a level. No, I want to say a level, like a like, I guess a level of a Dark Souls game. I keep thinking back to the first Dark Souls game where it's one big world. It's not an open world, but it's one big connected world. But then if you think of Dark Souls 2, it's stages. Like you're picking between a bunch of bonfires and the world's really not that connected. And then in the 3, you're just playing between like a few different hubs. So I want to call them levels. But yes, this is going to give that old Dark Souls feeling. Yeah. Uh, and then we got uh, crafting. That's just uh, kind of an interesting addition to me, just being able to like make some extra potions it looks like and like probably arrows and stuff like that just like standard like rpg crafting kind of stuff yeah i didn't look into this i didn't i was i i think i saw it but i didn't look into it because like what how dark souls would normally play out is like if you wanted more of a i don't want to say healing item because you're normally restricted to your estus till you go to a bonfire but there was like humanity like in the first game where you'd pop that you get a full hill and then you get a point of humanity i wonder if this game has an equivalent to that or you're you're kindled in the third game um yeah like crafting you could buy arrows and that quote unquote could be crafting but you didn't need materials so this is different and if you wanted to i guess another close thing to that is like if you wanted to make a weapon into like a different element or actually just completely remove an element, like a scaling off like your stat scaling off of it, you could think it was called raw. Um it would just be flat damage instead of like scaling with your character. Which right. would be a good thing for like a caster because you didn't really have the strength of the decks to really uh use certain weapons effectively. So that that was the closest you could get to crafting, I think, off the top of my head. So this is this is different. Um, yeah. I will say one thing, one difference is like magic. I don't know how much you played around with like sorcery faith and like cat like spells and stuff in old games but yeah, sometimes, a little bit sometimes it wouldn't be viable you'd run out of uh, out of casts in like the first and second game like you only had so many uses of a spell 
um, depending on I forget which stat quantitates it, but like you can only slot in so much of spells, and in in the third game you just had a a bar, a magic bar. Um, in this game, apparently it's going to be way, way more viable to use magic, and it's going to be like there's going to be a big diversity of like spells you can use. Which is exciting because, like, when most people play Dark Souls, they actually avoid magic. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, I mean, uh, just from what I've seen, like, I don't see a whole lot of people using it unless it's like someone cheesing bosses somehow. Yeah, stereotypically in Dark Souls, it was like, oh, you get your magic arrow and you can just kind of kite a boss around and then use it. But, like, in Dark Souls 1, if you were like the caster, you would hit him like four times and then be like, I'm allowed to cast. And now you're going to melee anyways. Um, it's hard to say how like people feel about magic because some people would just like literally not touch magic at all they're like that's not how the game is supposed to be played like some people are like if i'm not rolling out of the way or parrying an enemy i'm not playing the game which i get that that's legitimate so it's great to see that it's more of a viable thing like it kind of interweaves your ducking and diving and with these spells and i like that it's more of a thing now and you can do it while mounted so that's cool yeah for sure yeah, so that's pretty cool. Like, I'm usually into, like, the casting stuff anyways, which, uh, so if I'm playing it, I might be picking stuff like that up. So that's something that's pretty interesting to me. Right, right. I, I, like, I will say, like, I've... I've. Sorry, I don't talk about Dark Souls 2, 2 that much because I've very lightly played it. Like, it wasn't the one I was the most excited for, but, like, I know in Dark Souls 1 and 3, like, those are the ones I played through on different characters. I've redid my builds multiple times. Like I've tried the like the balance build, the full strength build, I've tried dex builds, and I've tried straight up magic builds. Um I will say some bosses felt way easier using magic because you could literally just kite them to death. And I I felt like I wasn't really experiencing gameplay mechanics as yeah. much. So I'm excited <laughs> to see how they incorporate it this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh there's a couple of other things that are sort of different or at least like just other mentions about the game from uh, some of the people that were involved in making it. Uh, first off is the playtime. Uh, we've been told uh, that it should be about 30 hours for the main storyline. This was a uh, producer Yasuhiro Kitao who said that he also mentioned that there would be dozens more hours of side content. So uh, I don't know how long Dark Souls games are supposed to be because difficulty is a thing. Yeah, well, quote unquote difficulty. Like, there isn't like a difficulty setting per se. Yeah. Uh, it's just how good are you at it, or how 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 is your build working? Or, um, I know for me personally, it always takes me longer. Uh, I'm not I'm not great at these games, but I do beat them. But I like to mess around and be like, can I do this area? Like a whole area, I'll go from one bonfire to the next trying to see if I could do the whole thing without using a single Estus Flask, because that's just fun to me, because I just feel like that's literally self-improvement I can fill. Just getting good at one area, I'm not, like, over-leveling it or anything, just going at the level I can be at, just see how good I can do. Like, I'm going to sit here and practice parries on this enemy, not because I have to, but because I want to, and it feels good to get off a good parry, so I know it'll take me way longer than 30 hours, but th I think 30 hours is, 30 hours is fair. I literally do not know how long normal games normally are, to be fair, with Dark Souls-esque games. Yeah. 
so that's an idea of the playtime. I think that's fine. That's like pretty average for games. And as an open world game, you expect to do side content anyways. So that's fine. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be upset with 30 hours. Like it's better. I know there's some AAA games out there that are like seven hours long and you're done, which is fine. Like if you're getting quality content for your money, that's fine. This is just saying if you were just your first time through and if you're going from boss to boss or however the open world wants to deal with it or place to place, you're, it's going to take you probably 30 hours. That that seems really fine to me. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing here is a difficulty. Uh, Director Miyazaki said, uh, quote, I don't want players to worry or stress about the difficulty. He seems to uh, it seems to be that for one, his whole thing is like, uh, being the person who makes his, these games, what he explains is there is a benefit to playing it through and overcoming the challenge and, you know, beating the difficult bosses. But I think also other things that he's referring to are just kind of what we already talked about in some of the differences in the game and that there are ways to make the game easier. Uh, other people point this out, too, with uh, these games in general. Uh, they are difficult and you can't make them not difficult but there is scaling involved there is a learning curve there are things to do to make the game not as hard i mean you're always going to have optimal builds at the end of the day you're always going to be able to if you've been playing for you know let's say the 30 hours that they talk about and you haven't made a lot of progress you can look up a build and by the time uh you've reached that point you're probably going to find someone that has found like you know top tier build where okay go get this weapon go do this or this and you'll be good to go that's what i did for dark souls uh i put it down for a bit uh but i did talk about recently like in the past month or so that i was playing dark souls for a bit and uh i did make progress in doing that like i didn't necessarily go for like the best thing but i looked up stuff on where to go what to do to get to where I want to be like I was like okay I want to do a strength build show me what a strength build looks like and then I can have all the pieces and go from there for sure like yeah that, that would definitely help you just knowing like what's a good strength weapon to go with it's not it's better than being like oh I've been using this this two-handed sword I've been going with but when in reality maybe there's a better two-handed sword like a claymore um, there was some sword in the first game that was like it was like a traditional like bastard sword I want to say I know people really talk good. about the Claymore in the first game. Yeah, in the third game, it would be like the Black be- Black Knight Sword. Um, it just was had crazy stats on it, and it did make some bosses easier. Um, whenever I think of difficulty in Souls games, as far as like being your choice to make it easier, I think of like going online and summoning another person. Well, not going online. The game's always online, technically, or, or it could be offline, I guess. But like just summoning another player. That was always an option. You could bring another person in. They could do the boss with you. And that would make the game easier. That's your own choice of adjusting the difficulty that way, right? Right. Um, the bosses aren't always balanced for that. I will say this. Some in, in Dark Souls, normally the boss is balanced around one person being there. And just having another person go in kind of does subvert a lot of it. It's almost like you're having another person take the test for you. And you're just kind of there. Some people don't like that. Well, there, another choice was summoning an NPC and having them fight alongside you. Normally they would die. But it did make the bosses a little easier. I will say that. Uh, I normally didn't summon on my first try through a Souls game. But I know in later run-throughs, I would eventually just be like, oh, what does this summon do? And I would summon it and just see, oh, it 
cast like a big spell, or they could tank a lot of damage. Um, not always my first choice, but it is a choice for those who just want to make the game a little easier on themselves. Uh, what this game adds is it adds summoning just as like a straight up thing, not necessarily summoning the NPCs, but like summons, just summons, like as their own spell is a thing. Uh, they gave examples of like someone summoning like a group of like monsters or undead, and then you could just pull out your bow and just like play the back, the uh, DPS from behind as much as you want type of thing. Uh, so that's choice too, as far as like difficulty adjusting you have that option which is funny that you mentioned that because this is also something that uh miyazaki referred to as well is the co-op there is co-op in this game and uh it seems like it's easier to access than other games Uh, yeah sometimes it would be like you had to have like the other player like if i was to give an example uh use a white white soapstone and they put it on the ground it would glow and then the other player would have to wait for that soapstone to like appear. Um, and also, I guess in the first game, you'd have to have humanity to see these, which whenever you have humanity puts you up to being invaded by other players to kill you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which would actually lock you out of going to the boss that player died, which is a cra- the Dark Souls thing. Um, but that's how it would normally work. And it would be kind of hard because sometimes it wouldn't even work. Like the person would like put it down and then you wouldn't even see the other player. Uh, and you have to have the player do it again. Um, so and, uh, how does it work in this game? I, is it, It's just easier? Uh, they've mentioned it's easier. I haven't seen exactly how it works, but it's probably not going to be as hard as what you were saying with like all the soapstone nonsense. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but uh, unless there's like something in a network test that explained it, I didn't I see there anything was, like that. I, I think there was one, and they talked about it, but I cannot remember it off the top of my head because normally... I for me Dark Souls I try not to like use other players so I might have just blocked it out. Yeah. Cuz for me it's like the one-on-one me learning the fight is like super enjoyable to me. Like I want to take my own test. I want to do it on my own using my own abilities. I don't like the idea of having another player come in with me so I probably they, I think it was definitely talked about cuz that's the point of a network test. Yeah. <laughs> just to see how it works um like I even play like whenever I play Dark Souls I would even leave it online as much as I can cuz I think being invaded is part of the game or for as long as I want to tolerate it. Yeah. I remember when Dark Souls 1 first came out, it was so annoying to get invaded. It was The game was just so popular. It was a constant threat to have someone just come in whenever you're just trying to run to a boss and fight the boss, and then someone just comes in and ganks you. It's It sucks, but it's part of the game. Uh, yeah. Which you can just totally just turn the game off. <laughs> like, yeah. online off. and Just never deal with that. Uh, I'm sure it's a thing with this game, maybe. But, um... Yeah, it'd be good if they made it easier. Because in the third game, uh, PvP is a big thing, not just invading someone. They literally made a separate area where you could just um, duel each other. Uh, At first, it was just an area you would go to and everybody would just join in there. But then they made literally an arena that you would just queue for. Uh, That that was a lot easier. So hopefully, maybe it's just a thing where, like, like, say me and you are playing, you just see that I'm online and you literally just join me. That would be nice instead of me having to go through like writing my name on the ground and then you'd be coming to that exact area and then pressing it and then you appearing randomly within like a certain like 30 yard radius or something because you didn't always appear next to the person you would sometimes just spawn in really far away i know that's how it is for the the uh, person invading you definitely don't spawn next to the person <laughs> yeah uh i don't know exactly how any of that is going to be working in this game but i do know that 
uh, Miyazaki directly cited the ease of playing in multiplayer in this game compared to previous Souls games uh, as a reason why people might uh, be more likely to make it to the end of this game. Yeah, that's good. The, o- the only other thing is the classes. Uh, just want to give a quick list of the classes. Uh, we got Vagabond, uh, Warrior, Hero, Bandit, Astrologer, Prophet, Samurai, Prisoner, Confessor, and Wretch. First of all, just pointing out the obvious, it's similar to other Soulsborne games, so it's basically, classes are just like a starting point in the game. Yeah, it's your starting stat line, and then you're starting like weapons, and maybe like a spell or two, and it might be like you start with like a, a bomb, or like a, well I guess it would be like fire bombs, like stuff like that. It's not like a dead set thing. Just because you pick the warrior doesn't mean you can eventually put stats and intelligence to make yourself like a better caster. Right. It's a starting point. And then the second is just a couple of specific classes. First of all, there's the wretch. The wretch is basically just a deprived from Soulsborne game. So it's just the person with a club and also no like, armor. Yeah, no armor and just like kind of standard uh, base stats just being like uh, the same across the board. Yeah, it's 10 in every stat, and they start at the lowest level. So they start at level 1. For every adult, all of you who haven't actually played a Souls game, you don't necessarily start at level 1. You could um, The dep- Deprived yeah. and the Wretch start at level 1, where other classes start somewhere between 5 and 10. Uh, and that just means their stats, just how their stats are like put out. So like the total stats across the board for the Wretch is going to be 80, because there's going to be 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 8 times. But for like the Hero it'll be the stats will be distributed a little different the hero starts at level seven so its total stats will be 86 right Um, yeah uh other one that i wanted to point out was the prisoner mostly because definitely caught people's attention with that uh with that mask uh if you haven't seen them look up the prisoner class you got a nice lovely iron mask Gave me yeah, some... I didn't know about this one either. You told yeah. me, and I was like, oh, is this Leonardo DiCaprio under here? Yeah, big man in the iron mask vibes off of that one. Uh, doesn't do swords, does uh, like magic, I think, was uh, his whole thing, was uh, whatever the sorcery equivalent yeah. is in this game. Yeah, which is cool. Um, other class that caught my eye was the samurai. Um, normally in Dark Souls games, like, or Souls like games, uh, there isn't. They allude there to there being like an east, an eastern land. There's always like a character you'll stumble across, or you'll find a katana. All the games have katanas, but there's never like none of it looks Asian, per se. The samurai is straight up like a samurai. Like he's got katanas. He's got the bow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same armor and then katana longbow. Yeah. Uh, normally these games are very like European fantasy looking. So. This is pretty cool that that's like a starting class because people like the katanas. Uh, I, I I know I always like at least pick one up and play with it. Um, they're normally like a bleed based weapon. A bleed is like a status condition. Normally in Souls like games, you build up the status on the enemy. So say if you want to make them bleed out for damage, you would hit them a bunch of times with whatever that status is, and then eventually you'd fill up their bar, and then they would explode in a bunch of damage. It's the same thing goes for like poison, where you're hitting them with poison, you're building up a bar. But um, yeah. So it's cool that you can literally start with a katana is what I'm getting at here with some cool samurai armor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Sorry for that. Speaking of classes, do you have a starting thing that you're looking to go with or like an idea of like what kind of build you're running? So I tend to forget Dark Souls games really even have classes because like I, I play through them a few times. Like I'll make a new character like a few times over my course of like enjoying the game. I forget that starting classes are a thing. I immediately gravitate towards like the wretch type thing or the deprived where it's just like I just want the balanced stats. Technically, it's not always the best choice. Like if I know I want to be a caster, I'm just going to pick the caster. But like I forget that as a thing because uh, classes literally aren't really a thing after you like play for like an hour because you're gonna pick up all these different weapons and spells anyways. So yeah, my, my I'm going to go with the wretch most likely, maybe the vagabond because it seems like it's also another like balanced one. But I like the idea of starting at level one and just being like, here's my club. I'm gonna go find a broken sword and that's what I'm gonna use next. What about you? Uh, I don't know what I'm going for. I mean, uh, Wretch, knowing what I know now about it from you telling me about it, I might just go with that to start off with. But as far as like general build, I will probably experiment with either the magic stuff or like some sort of like deck space kind of thing, because magic is something I usually gravitate towards. Dex is something that I don't think I've really tried in these games. So playing with those normally going to be like you're going to be using like the katanas or the bows that's what normally scales with decks uh the stereotypical build that people would normally go for uh, i can't remember what it's called i think it's just called balance it's where you like max you have decks and strength going up at the same rate so that you can use pretty much every melee weapon that doesn't have like a faith or an intelligence scaling on it okay um, yeah i think it's called balance but i can't remember off the top of my head uh if that's what it was called but that's normally what people do so um, yeah, that I I want to try to play with everything I can, but I'm obviously going to suffer if I do that. Normally, the requirements to cast a spell or to equip a weapon aren't normally that high, unless it's like a two-handed like big weapon. Then it's going to be like you're going to have to two-hand that thing to even use it. But like to yeah. cast a spell, no- normally having like getting up to like twenty in, a, in something. So like say for the wretch, that's just like putting ten points into intelligence. Then you can pretty much cast any spell. Will you be able to cast it a lot? Probably not. Will you be able to cast it with a lot of damage? Probably not. But you'll be able to cast it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that idea. I, I just want to experience everything there is. And then maybe maybe later down the line, because normally these games have like a way to like respec yourself, or you can always just make another character. Um, maybe do like a more direct build. Uh, I know whenever I wanted to do like Pyromancy, uh, getting the uh, the Flaming Hand that lets you cast them was sometimes a little annoying. Like you had to go play the game for like two hours to maybe get to that point or maybe like speed run your way there. Uh, sometimes it's nice just to start with the item that lets you cast the spells. For yeah, for time. sure. That's like all we've got for Elden Ring actually. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot like, of stuff, I'm... but uh, there is more to talk about technically, but we didn't look, that hard into it because we were trying not to you know go into spoiler territory just keeping it kind of like light just based off of what was more stuff that was told to us directly from from software as opposed to like what was found in depth in like the network test or leaks or anything like that uh just kind of like spoiler friendly kind of thing yeah for me like i want to discover these bosses for the first time and be like wow he does that or he explodes or something dumb. Like I want to be surprised and I want to have my reaction to it as I play it. So like I've, I've 
personally went out of my way to avoid a lot of stuff. But next week, we'll probably have a better uh, take on like, oh, this is what this boss was like. Oh, wow, this surprised me. That type of thing. Yeah. We can uh, we can close out with uh, our upcoming games. We usually talk about games that are coming up. Uh, there's not a whole lot because we're towards the end of this month. This month has been back to back games coming up. Uh, but there is one thing going on right now, which is the Steam Next Fest. Yeah, yeah. This is a bunch of like indie games because we we mentioned that Steam like. <laughs> said that they were showing all of the their new like sales and stuff and i think this was on that list of like here's a th- upcoming event yeah uh, and this one's all focused on like some cool indie games some of these were actually on my radar i don't know about you honestly uh, no <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen uh, many that i like recognize so no surprise to anybody but there's this one game called koromon it's like you know your stereotypical pokemon style game that i was excited for it has these like really nice looking like uh art style very pokemon i don't want to say pixels maybe pixels is the best word it's got like a retro style to it like it's very similar to pokemon where the pokemon's back is to you and you're attacking them uh turn-based style uh this game looks very promising it'll come out at the end of next month um another one that was on my radar was called jack move it's like a turn-based rpg with a focus on like cyberpunk styling and hacking uh, stuff is like a big part of it. Uh, that game looked really nice to me. Uh, I'm going to probably play a demo of that either today or tomorrow. Um, there's one that I thought you might be interested in called Vanguard. Or is it called Vanguard Tech? The Neris Tactics. I saw this a while ago. Very Final Fantasy Tactics feel to it. It even has like a similar art style where they don't have like noses. <laughs> you had me uh, in Tactics. Yeah, if look it up, you might you might be into it. Uh, like if you remember that art style, they literally weren't drawn with noses. It's it was the same whenever they did like Final Fantasy three. The characters for some reason were drawn without noses. Similar yeah. style actually. Right. Uh, this one is very much reminiscent of Final Fantasy Tactics. It's on the same like you got like squares that you're moving around. I have to um, check it out, and uh, I'm assuming it has a demo because that's part of the draw of Next Fest is a lot of a lot of demos here. Yeah, they all have demos that are that you can play, which is really cool. Uh, there was another game, but I only looked it up because our friend mentioned it. Some of these games are uh, eighteen plus games, so that's worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's legal on Steam now. They they're there now. It's been like that for a while. Oh yeah, uh, no, I mean, it, it's been there for a little while now, but like, no, they're they're just there now, and that includes indie games. Mm-hmm. I I personally love this. I think that should just always be a thing that this should just be a category you can click into, given that you are over eighteen. But I don't know if you, if you own a Steam, I think you should be over eighteen anyways. But whatever, uh, you're probably yeah, I mean, child play on your Steam anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think thirteen plus is terms of service legal. Uh, it's more yeah. of like just having the option to turn it off, which there is. And if you're a parent, that's something you should be doing anyways. Can't really blame Steam for that if you just let your child do whatever on a computer. Um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think like, yeah, no, I'm fine with that stuff being on there, too. I have bought a game that uh, has that sort of explicit content uh, in the past. I think more of the not really an issue, but it is just kind of funny sometimes 
it's when, funny 100 when you funny. when you get like suggested so, like it'll be just like on the front page you can turn this off so there's 100%. no problem 100%. there but it's just kind of funny whenever you're just scrolling through and then you just see like just uh just uh cartoon Anti-game. female yeah just in all her glory bare. just bare like, to the world and it's just like just out of nowhere it, it i mean it really is just out of nowhere it's just all these like games just like it'll be like yeah here's like cyberpunk tw- 2077 on sale here's uh like uh terraria and then right under it it's just here's a uh, hentai chick getting railed yeah every time <laughs> and like as chris as chris has said you can turn this off like if I, I don't know where the option is i've definitely keep kept like i i went to see everything i can i've i don't like censorship but um you definitely just make it so you never see these 18 plus games um but i, I just thought this was worth mentioning because like i love metroidvania style games as much as i love like the monster collecting games uh and one of them was a metroidvania like that uh the hentai sexual yeah. content game and i was like oh wow oh 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 wow uh but and it doesn't you and it just looks like a normal anime game from the front of it and then i was just like oh oh i like literally clicked on it immediately realized it was like a it had sexual content yeah because uh that's what happened is you actually saw that link i was on discord talking with our friends and one of them linked it because he was looking at the game is like, oh, this looks like a fun game. And then he got to, I think, like the third picture. And there it was. Uh, and that's how he found it. I was like, what in the world is happening? It was hilarious. It's just crazy. Um, he just finds just... the stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's funny that this is on that next. I, I think it's very progressive to have a hentai game on there or like, a, sorry, I say hentai sexual content. To have that on there because like that's that's a thing and people shouldn't just shy away from well, not shy away from it but like run from it just because that's a thing like people enjoy that people love that stuff obviously passionate people make this um i'm glad that it's he- uh, that it's there and not just hidden absolutely um, um there's no other games really on my like there's games i see i want to play but there's a lot of games like as we said this was a busy month for games so maybe yeah. we can play some of the demos of these and talk about them next week. I believe this will be over by the time it's next week. It will be, yeah. But we can like test out some demos and mention what games we liked at the very least. Right, absolutely. I'm looking uh I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to try out the game that you were talking about and um there's a couple others that have been suggested that I'll probably try out. I haven't gotten a chance to look at it too deeply. Uh, but I'm definitely going to bring some up next week. We'll have more to say on that along with Elden Ring. I don't I don't have much else to say about it, because like I said, I didn't really play through them, but it's good to see some of these options here, and I'm looking forward to trying them out. Yeah, there's a lot of games here. They're not just like your stereotypical like platformer or just uh, RPG maker games. There's everything. Shooters, strategy games hentai you you got all the options in the world here yeah i think i think with that we could be done i mean this is a long episode uh this week really wanted to just dive into elden ring and uh we did that so mission accomplished yeah for sure uh there's we'll have a lot to talk about at least with elden ring next week in these indie games so I look forward to that yeah so uh thanks for listening everyone uh 
any questions, any comments, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, till then, um, hold on, hold on, I got this. Go forth and reforge the Elden Ring, tarnished. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, we're going to go on that. Nope, we're leaving. That's a good. Great I think it was content. great. 10 of 10. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Oh, great. Bye, everyone. <laughs>